You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the Classic Car Show with Tom Cox and Richard Lintonello. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Well, uh, with this show, it's going as well as can be expected. I don't know why something comes in and bites me uh, over the Friday night and into Saturday morning, but it seems to happen. Even my own computer was having problems this morning, which I don't understand. But, you know, what's the old saying? Stuff happens. Yep. Yes. It's true. It's true. It's true. So I wanted to, uh, before we get really into it, wanted to think, uh, you know, our listenership is is much broader than we think. And uh, I had a gentleman call up wanting to know that, uh, you know, before I could say two words, he was telling me all about his father's two cars that he has that need to be restored and that... He was given our number as the greatest restoration people going. And I said, whoa, wait, a, whoa, wait, wait, uh, you got, we do a classic car show and those two gentlemen can do anything, but we don't do restorations here. But we do appreciate him thinking about us and calling in. And, uh, by the way, you know, anybody that wants to contact you gentlemen can t- contact you through the station. You can, uh, email Tom or Richard at americaswebradio.com. And you might just add someplace in there, classic car show, but, um, Tom or Richard, where you're the only two Toms. And Richards that we have, so it comes to you. I never even see it. Uh, it goes directly to your old regular email address. And that holds true, folks, for any of our shows. Mark the Shark uh, from New York, you can contact him at Mark at America's Web Radio or the Doctor's Lounge. Any of our shows, you can contact the hosts by using just their first name and americaswebradio.com. And we love to hear from you. Isn't that right, Richard? Well, yes, it is. That's good to hear. Thank you, David, for that. <laughs> how, how, how are you doing, Tom? Well, I, you know, I'd be doing better if somebody were paying us, like, you know, ten times market to do to do their restoration. I mean, I think we could be in the restoration business for the right amount of money. I'm just saying, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, whew, and a lot who, of work. And whose garage? Work involved. Uh, Would it be Richard's garage or your garage, Tom? I don't know. With enough money, we'll build our own. We'll build. <laughs> we'll build. <Yeah. laughs> so, so, what's new? Uh, what's new? So, you know, last week I think I talked about the fact that I was getting the uh, brake system sorted out on the 73 Ambassador and after the show I decided to 
eh, do a little something different on the Ambassador rather than I've got still got to rebuild the front calipers. I, I got that yet to do and put the master cylinder on, but otherwise we're done. So I decided, you know, I'm going to pull the fuel tank off. Um, I fully anticipated that, you know, there wasn't going to be a ton of fuel in there. There ended up being like five gallons of ancient, ancient gasoline in there. I think I mentioned the fact that um, it had really eaten up the inside of the tank. I went to pull the sending unit out, and <laughs> first time ever, I got a nub. That was it. it the the whole, the arm, the float arm, everything, float, it's all gone. I mean, just gone, eaten away. Wow. So I just so happened to, um, and I have a parts car repository at an undisclosed location. And so I happened to have had a 73 ambassador that somebody had given me a good number of years ago. And um, I just had parked it up there and I went to pull the pull the tank out of that just to see if it was any better well one it's got a big dent in it and I pulled it out anyway I think I'm going to see if I can close up all of the holes on the tank and strap the areas that are the proper dimension I'm going to slowly introduce uh, air, pressurize the tank slowly, and see if I can't pop that dent out. So, wish me well on that. <laughs> no slap hammer? Um, but great. No. No. You know, I just can't, you just can't get to it. I mean, I guess the other thing, of course, you can certainly do is... You know, fill the tank up with water, and then you could use a stud gun, you know, welder, stud welder, and, you know, use that, use a slide hammer to pull it out, but it's kind of messy. So what I'm, and, and could potentially, if you get too overzealous, pull a hole in it. So what I'm going to do is try to inflate it and see if that takes the dents out. But here's the interesting thing about this. So... I've had this car over 20 years. It was given to me. It was a low-mileage car that was involved in an accident. (laughs) Got hit in the front end. The last time it was on the road was in 1981. So I pulled the tank on it, and I thought for sure the tank was completely empty. So I popped the tank off. I look down in there, shine a light in there, and believe it or not, I mean, there's not a lot, but there's probably 10 ounces of fuel left in that. All the way back from 1980. But here's the catch. The inside of the tank looks great. I mean, it hadn't caused any rust or corrosion or anything. So you actually had gasoline sitting in that thing from 1980 to now. 43 years and who knows how much of it evaporated over the years it probably had a couple of gallons in there when it when it was hit but it, the inside of the tank is still nice it's crazy and then you have yeah, this you other know. car 
with the new gas that's eating all the pieces. Go ahead. You could ever tell. I mean, you know, every car is different. The types of gasoline that was used to put in the tank is different. The uh, storage, where the car's been stored, how much humidity has been in the air during that time. All these variables affect cars in different ways. So you can never tell until you, you know, start taking things apart. Every car is different. It's impossible to say, you know, what's going to happen. But uh, that's good news. Yeah, it'll be even better news if I can get that dent out. So, again, a little yeah. unconventional effort. I'm just going to seal the tank up as best I can and then uh, use a blowgun to slowly introduce pressure to it. I'll, I'm going to use straps on the other parts of the tank so that those areas don't distort and hopefully will direct all of the outward motion into one area. At least that's what it looks like in theory. We'll see. Right. <laughs> well, good luck. Working on cars, that's what you need when you're working on old cars. Lots of good luck. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Um, so, any time on the Triumph this week? I haven't done anything this week on the Triumph. Uh, we had our daughter-in-law living with us for the past year. They just moved back out and went back to Vermont. As soon as they were out the door, I started tearing apart the bedrooms. And I've been painting and plastering and all that stuff, and I'll be finishing painting today. As soon as the show ends, I'll be painting one of the other bedrooms, and I'll be done. And then I can get back into the garage. It, it's been about three, four weeks since I've been in the garage working on my cars, so it's, you know, it's, it's very therapeutic to go in there and tinker and do things. And when you don't do that, you, you feel lost, you know? It's like... What am I supposed to do now? You know, it, it's 8 o'clock at night. Do I really go in the garage now and start something? Or do I just sit back and read a magazine or do something? But, uh, yeah, I've been going in the garage. Hopefully, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, I'll be back in there on the Triumph. And uh, that's it. Gentlemen, I, see what happens. I wanted to interrupt you. And because we're in a new business now, uh, the restoration business, and Richard, I guess I will address the question to you, but certainly Tom, you can put your two cents worth in. And you all were complaining a little bit about the smoke and the fog from Canada, which I think they're sending it to us for nothing. I don't believe they're charging us. They may later. But has that smoke and that uh, stuff that has driven, driven down, what is it doing to car finishes? Tennessee, we don't have much. We had a little bit of it the other day. On Thursday, we smelt it in the air. But that was it. And I didn't see anything on the finish of the cars. So Tom's a little further north. Maybe he could uh, enlighten us. <laughs> no, it's actually been pretty hazy up here on the mountain, for sure. Uh, yeah. You know, whereas I can usually see out as far as the eye can see. Um, I can only probably see a couple miles at most. Um, but in terms of the in terms of the cars, you know, I don't think there's a lot of issues um, associated with it, unless, of course, and, and I really don't know, um, you know, the addition of all of that smoke into the atmosphere. Once it rains 
all those particles? I don't know. It, could it create some sort of uh, acid rain effect? I don't know. I know back in the day when, you know, before a lot of the smokestacks were cleaned up, that acid rain was actually a problem, um, particularly in, you know, heavily industrialized areas where there were a lot of, a lot of plants uh, belching forth uh, toxins into the air that, you know, acid rain did actually eat up the surface of the paint. But I don't know about this. I don't I don't think. I, I think it's benign. But that's just an opinion, folks. Just an opinion. I agree. I agree. It's just like dust. Ultra-fine dust. And the particles in the air are like it's like one-tenth the width of a human hair. So the particles are so small. It, it's and there's no sticky substance to it. It's just dry. So uh, I don't think it's an issue. No, no. Not unless you have a trial. In which case, <laughs> it probably causes Everything's rust. Well, Everything you know, causes, right. you... it causes rust. Everybody heard it first here on America's Web Radio and the classic car show. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everything affects time. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. exactly. Uh, Maybe it'll pick up some of that oil on the floor, Richard. Yeah, that might help. <laughs> uh, you guys kill me. So, <clears throat> you and I were uh, talking earlier in the week, and you know, we we share a favorite movie, and that's. It's a mad, 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 mad world. Uh, gosh, it hands down, hands down, my favorite movie uh, of all time. And there's an I think it's the greatest movie yeah. ever made. Let's take a break before I we get too. into it. All okay, right, we're going on a break, folks. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. 
so we were talking about our favorite movie of all time that we could watch at least once a month. Uh, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Uh, you know, star-studded cast, an amazing uh, casting. I, even the cameos, uh, you know, everybody from Buster Keaton, the Three Stooges, Terry uh, Lewis, Carl Reiner, uh, right? I mean, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, let me, it's a great let show. me tell you something. Go ahead. Now, I know you're going to make fun of me, but that's okay. This movie I always premiered do. in 19. Of course, I expected. So this movie premiered in 1963, which I believe you were either running around in diapers, or you probably weren't even born. But my father. Right. My brother John and myself off at the Kingsway Theater in Brooklyn on Kings Highway for a Saturday afternoon matinee when this mag when this movie came out. So I was like sixty three. I must have been about what seven, eight years old. Yeah, probably seven. Ancient. And uh, yeah, and God, you're older than I thought. We we loved the movie. We got home. We couldn't stop talking about it for days. You know, and it was like 20 years late before I was able to see it again on, you know, uh, HBO theater or something like that. But, uh, yeah, I remember seeing it in the theater when it first came out. So, uh, yeah, that's showing me on my age. <laughs> but what wow. a great movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That had to be a privilege. Uh, me, I became familiar with it. Uh, truthfully, I had never seen the movie. It was uh, probably in the late 70s, I guess. It tended to pop up in the wintertime on, I'm thinking it was ABC, uh, after the wide, wide world of sports or somewhere in there. There was this time yep. slot in the afternoon that apparently the network was always trying to fill. And this movie... And its full length is three and a half, a little over three and a half hours, which is really, really long. Kind of like The Last Emperor. That movie is incredibly long, long too. But, um, you know, that's rainy day, winter, whatever. When that movie was on, I always, always laid in the floor and watched it. Um, and, you know, of course, there's a ton of cars in it too. A lot of really great cars, especially the, I love the opening scene um, where, you know, everybody's going down the highway and then um, Jimmy Durante, who played this character of uh, bank robber, uh, Smiler Grogan, um, he has a 1957 Ford Fairlane, <laughs> and he comes tearing down the highway, going through the curves, and then he misses a curve and just goes, as they say in the movie, he just went sailing out there. And, of course, the car is just, yeah. <laughs> it's like they ejected that car off the cliff out there. And uh, and then, of course, uh, he kicked the bucket. all these people. Yes, I was getting ready to say, yeah, everybody stops and all these cars, they pull off the side of the road and they go down to go down the mountainside to uh, see Jimmy Durante and he's down there and he's talking and then he talks about all this money being buried under a big W uh, 
in uh, Santa Rosita Park in California, and uh, and then he uh, literally kicks the bucket <laughs> and dies. Then everybody subsequently races back to their cars, and they're all sitting around talking to one another, acting like they're not going to go uh, search for the money, and they jump in their cars, and they each start tearing down the road. Uh, it's, it's just it's hysterical. It's a great, great movie. Um, now, you know what made the car- movie so great? Besides the cause, before we talk about the cause, is you mentioned earlier the cast. Well, you have people like Phil Silvers, Mickey Rooney, Buddy Hackett, Curly from the Three Stooges. They're all from Brooklyn, babe. All Brooklynites. Yeah, are they now? <laughs> That's right. They're all from Brooklyn. And then you have, you know, uh, Ethel Merman and uh, who was it? Uh, Milton Berle. And they're all from Manhattan, you know. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of New Yorkers. Nobody from Roanoke. Nobody from Roanoke. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You never know. Jonathan Winters, he could have been from Roanoke, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, every time I watch that movie, there is one scene where they're going down the street. This is towards the end of the movie. And uh, you see a Studebaker lock wagon, and then you see a... 54 Triumph TR2 parked by the curb. I always look for that little Triumph. But, uh, you know, you have Buddy Hackett zipping around in that, what was it, a 54, 55 Volkswagen convertible Beetle? Yeah, it's a 50, yeah. 54 Volkswagen cab, yeah. Yeah, but but my, my favorite is when uh, Dick Sean is oh, trying yeah. to get to his mom, and he's in that, what is it, a 62... It's a, it's a 62 Dodge Dart uh, 440 convertible. There you go. Yeah. And the other guys, I think Milton Burrow is in a 61 uh, Chevy, bubble top, no less. You know? Yes. And, uh, yeah, a bubble top, baby. And, uh, oh, my God, just, a, just all the cars in that movie. I mean, and all the taxi cabs are what? Uh, 59 Plymouth Belvedere. You know? Yep. Uh, and who was it? It was, uh, oh, it was Don Knox zipping around in a 56 Ford Fairlane Sunliner with the top down. Yep. He has Phil Silver by his side, you know? Uh, gee, that, 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 and don't forget, Terry Thompson, the guy from England, he's zipping around in a 55 Willie Jeep looking for, uh, yeah. uh, plant examples or port. <laughs> Prickly pears, cacti, various types of right. cacti. There was a there yeah. was a scene where this, there was a scene where this cop was in the middle of the street directing traffic, and in a fleeting glimpse, there is a 1960 Ford Country Squire uh, sedan. Uh, no, actually, it's a uh, station wagon, uh, and then you see a '59. Impala parked to the right. It's like every scene is just filled with cars. Great cars. I mean, let's face it, it's the early 60s. But let's face it, one of the most iconic scenes is Phil Silver's down by the river with the little kid telling oh, him, yeah. oh, it's okay, cross the river. Yeah, no, he was driving a 47 Ford uh, Super Deluxe Convertible. Um, yes. You know, interesting 
side note, um, you know, the little kids telling him to cross the river, no problem, you know, come on, let's, you know, go, go, go. And Phil Silvers drives in, and of course, as we know, you know, the car fills all the way up with water. Um, Phil Silvers did not know how to swim. Oh, really? And Yes. And, and at one point near the end of that scene being filmed, once the car was all the way in the water, uh, he nearly drowned. They had to run out and pull him out. Wow. Ah. Yeah, there's so many great scenes. I mean, uh, Milton Berle driving around in a 62 Imperial Crown convertible, the light blue one. Uh, man, you yeah, could go Yeah, that's a rare car, too. Really, you know, they they only built about 500 of those cars, uh, give or take. Wow. I don't remember exactly, but right around 500 uh, production number on those cars. Uh, it's funny, all this eclectic uh, knowledge. I can't remember my own name half the time, but yet I could remember they made roughly about 562 Imperial Crown convertibles. That's crazy. I uh, then you had Spencer Tracy, who was the police chief. And he was trying to get away with the money, and he was driving a black 62 Dodge Dot with black walls and poverty caps. I mean, that is such a badass-looking automobile. And Spencer Tracy is oh, driving yeah. around in that. Yeah. Oh, that was great. Captain Culpepper. Yeah. Yep. Was it's his, just uh, a, a funny, funny movie. Um, yeah, they, and then, of course, uh, you know, another great scene, you know, when everybody pulls off the side of the road to uh, go down there and see if uh, Jimmy Durante's still alive, um, Jonathan Winters is driving a 1953 Ford C600 uh, cab over moving truck or box truck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that was also just another side note. That was Jonathan Winters first movie appearance. In fact, he had just prior to the... Yeah, that was his first movie appearance. And just prior to the movie, he had actually spent about nine months um, in a psychiatric hospital, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he had mental issues. And, uh, and he Funny really guy. credited the film with yeah, helping him considerably. Uh, another side note on Winters while we're talking about it, of course, I love love the gas station scene. Um, and, you oh. know, there are, a, was it, a, it was a, uh, trying, uh, somewhere about 1951, Dodge M37 wrecker at the gas station. Yeah. But, of course, they're tearing the gas station down and at one point, Winters is going crazy. They tape him to this chair because they think he's a madman. And believe it or not, true story, when they got ready to go on break for lunch, there wasn't anywhere nearby for them to go eat. And so the, the cast and crew piled into this bus to go eat lunch. And they actually forgot that Winters was still taped to the chair inside the ah. garage. <laughs> so, 
that got back from lunch, and he couldn't have gotten out. He was still taped to the chair. <laughs> Too funny. Of all people. <laughs> you know, that, the, uh, that Phil Silvers, when, when he was on the road, we didn't come out trying to get a lift. Oh, break time, folks. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. Actually, before we get back to the show, I wanted to uh, personally thank Richard his latest crankshaft is absolutely gorgeous. And, uh, you know, I, we've been, I've gotten one a couple in the past and, uh, I went through this one page by page. Even the print looks good. No, uh, it does look good, but the pictures are just absolutely outstanding. Richard, you yeah. outdid yourself on, on this publication. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm glad you like it. Oh, yeah, a lot of work goes into each issue, but thank you. Now, Tom, you say something nice. And uh, back to the classic car show. But something <laughs> nice about Richard? He hasn't paid me this month. So, no. <laughs> I'm waiting for oh, the Oh, God. There he goes. <laughs> the, uh, no. Hey, you know. But, but, yeah. We, we were talking about that uh, gas station scene in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. And you know the guy, the gas station attendant with the glasses? His name is Arnold, Arnold Stang. Stang. Yes. Stang from Manhattan. He was the voice of... No, he's from Brooklyn. He's also Manhattan. a Brooklynite. He's from Manhattan. <laughs> now, the other, the other guy, Marvin Kaplan, um, the kind of heavier guy. Now... He was from Brooklyn, believe it or not. Also, who was Marvin Kaplan? One. Marvin Kaplan. So if you remember, there were two guys in the gas station scene. They worked together. You had Arnold. Oh, right. Uh, 
Arnold Stang, who was the sort of skinny little guy with the glasses on, and then you had the other somewhat heavier guy um, who was played by uh, Marvin Kaplan, who was from Brooklyn. Oh, okay. I had him switch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Leo Gorsi, but... Leo Gorsi's also from Manhattan. He was in there. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's amazing. But that scene where Phil Silvers is, you know, has his gum out, he's trying to hit the right, right before uh, Don Knotts stops and picks him up, a Corvair Ramside pickup goes yeah. by. It's white with green sides, and it goes by. And, that, and that's like the only Corvair in the movie. But uh, there's also Nash Metropolitan parked on the street. There was a uh, English, an English Ford in a, in a back alleyway that you see for like you know two seconds. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's just filled with humor, good laughs, great cause, and nobody was better than Dick Sean when he's dancing in his army <laughs> with, with with the brunette. <laughs> yeah, 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 baby, yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Jim back I have, on oh, the plane. Yeah. Oh, Fresh yeah. Beef. Making old, <laughs> old fashions. Yeah. Right. Let's make some uh, old fashions just like dear old dad used to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Funny, Great funny. stuff. Yeah. One of my favorite lines, uh, you know, once Jimmy Durante kicks the bucket and they start taking off, they finally all pull over because they're in one another's way and creating havoc on the highway there. and So they all pull over and have a discussion about what they're going to do. And Jonathan Winters brings up the fact that, well, if they get the money, they're going to have to pay taxes on it. I think, I can't remember, but I think Milton Berle is like, you know, oh, yeah, that's rich. We're going to pay taxes. Yeah, right. And then uh, Jonathan Winters responds, well, even businessmen that rob and steal and cheat from people every day, even they have to pay taxes. <laughs> well, that was so, so many, funny. You know, so many, so many great lines um, in that in that movie. Uh, you know, uh, Peter Falk was one of the cab drivers. Rochester, yep. who was uh, from the Jack Benny show, he was one of the cab drivers. Uh, and Peter Falk, he totally ad-libbed his whole, all of his dialogue in that, too. That was just an, another little trivia. Oh, another really cool thing, and I can't remember the stunt coordinator guy's name, but he was very famous at the time. Um, so... There were right around a hundred registered stuntmen at the time. I guess the you know Stuntmen's Association of America or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But out of roughly a hundred registered stuntmen at the time the movie was made, they employed eighty. Eighty of them for that really? movie. Yeah. Wow. Because of all the stunts. Um, now some of the sometimes they weren't stunt doubles. When Jonathan Winters is beating on Phil Silvers with the tires, he's actually beating on Phil Silvers. And if you pay close attention to the movie, 
Uh, they tried to cut part of it out, but if you pay close attention to it, when they're beating, when uh, Jonathan Winters is beating Phil Silvers with the tires, he winces big time uh, on on the shoot where he really did get hurt. And then Winters got so fired up and so into the role, at one point he takes Phil Silver's head and bashes it into a gas pump. Well, he did it too hard, and actually Silver's was hurt. Um, so, wow. Anyway, apart from being hit in the head, hit with the tires, and then almost drowning, you know, <laughs> Phil Silver's was probably wondering, hey, why did I bother to take this gig, huh? <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, funny stuff. I mean... There's, there's all kinds of car movies out there, as we all know, and we'll definitely touch base on a few more in the near future. But yeah, you know, American I agree Graffiti with you. was one of my favorites. Uh, after after, oh, after I, that movie, I thought that movie American sucked. Graffiti. <laughs> I don't. I, I, I didn't, didn't necessarily like care. I like the scenery. I love the scenery, and I, I can't not like something that has Wolfman Jack in it. I love Wolfman. He's from Brooklyn. I love Wolfman. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love <laughs> Wolfman, Jack. Uh, he, he is just like one of my favorites. You know, I, I wish I could talk like Wolfman, Jack. You know, telling people to lay their hands on the radio. You know, it's just just cool yeah. stuff. Um, and you know, another thing about American Graffiti, you know, since you hate it, we won't, uh, you know, don't want you to get all fired up and angry like you were the other week when we were talking about stuff that irritates us. So, <laughs> the, uh, uh, the, there was a guy, I'm trying to think of the, Bob Falfa was the guy's name that came, showed up in the 55 Chevy 150 uh, two-door post car to challenge Milner um, in the 32 Ford 5 window. And, it was Harrison Ford, one of his very first uh, roles on screen, and it was a very minor one. But yeah, it was actually Harrison Ford, so he uh, kind of got his exposure there. And I'll tell you something else: a lot of people, and I know you love '57 Chevys, okay? But out of the Tri Five Chevys, the five, six, and seven. I like the 55 best, but you know what I really liked, and it, I, I, I credit American Graffiti with this, the 58. I like the 58s. Um, Especially and, the uh, taillight. The way you're wrapped yeah. around in the back. Is that beautiful? Yeah. I love it. That's distinctive. I absolutely you love it. You know a mile away when you see the, the rear end. Yeah, I agree. I, I love I love the 58 and of course Ron Howard had that uh, 58 in the, in the movie but yeah that was it was really great so shifting gears entirely going in a totally yep. different direction you know and I know <clears throat> know you love auction houses but you know there are times when people need to send a car to auction you know they are executors of an estate and they need to move things quickly. They just don't have the opportunity or the time available to sell vehicles individually. Um, they've got to move them quickly. And sometimes the best way to do that is by using one of the major auction houses. So you really need to be careful 
which types of vehicles you send to which auction houses, actually. Even though, and I'm sure the auction houses would disagree with us, but each one of these auction houses tends to specialize in a particular type of car. Um, like Mecham. Mecham, they auction everything, but they are most noted for muscle cars. Muscle cars. Right. Yeah. If you if you have a muscle car and you need to move it and you're going to send it to auction, I, I'd send it to Mecham. Um, I'd, I'd send it to Mecham. If you have a classic car, and when I say classic, I mean an, an actual classic limited production custom uh, body crafted pre-war car that's recognized by the Classic Car Club of America. Uh, say like a V12 V16 Cadillac. I wouldn't send that to Meekum. I would send that no. to RM Sotheby's or Gooding. One of the two. Or Gooding. But, yeah. Um. You know, another thing that you'll want to talk to them about is placement. You know, most of the auctions, uh, some of them only run one day. A lot of them run two days. You know, they'll run two evenings or they'll start in the afternoon and, and run to the evening. Um, you want to pay particular attention to where your car is allocated. In other words... You know, if it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday auction, worst possible place to be in that auction lineup is going to be on Thursday early afternoon. Right. Yeah, no one's there. Right. And people really haven't warmed up to it yet either. Uh, you know, once people get into the heat of battle, so to speak, uh, they tend to bid more. Um, and... Gosh, you don't want to end up... I, you know, one of the best buys I've ever made at an auction, car rolled through on Thursday at lunchtime. Right smack, middle of lunchtime, 1230, that car came through, and it... I, I stole it. Stole it. I, I almost felt guilty. But I... I got a hell of a deal so i mean if you're if you're a buyer sometimes you get lucky you know people don't know you know i mean obviously you're not going to be able to demand from an auction company that it's break time and we'll be back since the 1960s jc taylor has been america's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars antique autos modified and custom vehicles our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE, or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. Or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. 
Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. We're back. You know, we talked about so, You know, years ago, yeah. I go to the Barrett-Jackson auctions in Scottsdale in January. And a lot of people don't realize, but it starts on a Wednesday. And Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, there were incredible buys for under $5,000. You know, that's the first day of the auction. You're absolutely right. If you go on the very beginning of the auction, especially around lunchtime, where people sleep so they can get a bite to eat, you could pick up incredible deals. So, uh, it, you know... Saturday evening, Friday evening, those are the height. That's when, you know, the top dollar stuff goes through. And that's why those cars command top dollar. But, yeah, you go in the beginning of the auction when it first starts, you'll score. Yeah, you can really get, I mean, that is certainly the buyer's time to go. Um, You know, obviously, if you're, you know, a a high roller, you're going to go on Saturday to buy your B16 Cadillac or your uh, Hemi Kudus and things of that nature but you know just stock and trade generally speaking it's the stock and trade vehicles or late edition vehicles where you know they've already got their lineup and somebody's trying to stick an extra car in that they need to get rid of and move that end up in that early part of the auction but gosh there's just a lot of a lot of bargains to be had but if you're selling is bad for you if you're buying it's good for you so you need to be careful of you know the time slot that they allot the car and do your homework pay attention do a little bit of research um there was an auction earlier this week an online auction and i won't mention the auction company because the auctioneer is well known um there they were literally almost giving stuff away. Um, now, it was, wasn't just cars. It was an, a substantial estate where there was probably 10 cars and a ton of parts. Um, gosh, headlights from the teens and 20s, just bargains. But that's probably not what I would do, you know, to disperse a collection. I would probably try to get it to an auction or sell them individually. Um, I recently helped a, a good friend uh, passed away, and I helped his wife uh, disperse his collection. And I actually advised against sending the cars to auction. Had a somewhat eclectic collection, everything from a 1900 local wheels steamer, um, 
Model A and uh, some other cars, and I advised selling them through the Mark publications, and we did really, really well doing that. I was afraid that if they sent it to an auction, especially a Model T, uh, sent to an auction, it ends up in the wrong slot. You know, plus you've got to pay to have that car shipped out and back. Now, if it's a headliner car, like a V16 Cadillac, you know what, the auction company will probably pick up the tab on the transport just so that I have something to put in the catalog because it's good for them. But if you're auctioning off a Model A, they're not going to do that. You're going to have to pay transportation out there and if it doesn't if you have a reserve on it it doesn't meet reserve you're going to have to pay transport back so that's money right off the top there and if you're sending it any distance that's that's several grand right off the top if you don't sell it um and then of course if you send it to the wrong place and you don't have a reserve on it then you could take a bath so again like in this situation for my uh, friends estate the best choice was just to uh, sell each car individually uh, through mark publications you know where you can sort of target your audience um, and get your buyer that way and then you can negotiate a price that's going to be good for everybody that everybody walks away happy with so I mean that's the other alternative I don't, don't get me wrong I enjoy a good auction same here I do too and they do have a place in our hobby uh, but keep in mind that if you do end up buying the car at an auction, the first thing you need to do uh, once the hammer comes down is you go to the booth that sells car insurance or you call up your insurance broker and you get that car insured immediately. Because once it rolls off the ramp and it gets put in the parking lot, if someone walks up to it and kicks in the door or, or keys the paint, uh, the auction company is not responsible. You are, because you're the owner. The auction company is no longer the owner. So you need to get that car insured immediately, just in case anything happens. So they do tell you that, and a lot of people don't heed the warning. And I've seen issues arise later on when cars did get damaged. But, uh, yes, you got to insure them as soon as you buy it. But... Uh, there's some good deals out there. There's some bad deals. You've got to do your homework. You know, just don't bid on the car as soon as you see it cross the block. You need to get there early and inspect the car that you are interested in buying. You want to talk to the owner. You want to check out, you know, if he has any receipts of work that was done. Open the hood. Turn on the engine. Make sure everything works. Uh, listen for, you know, valve clatter or anything else that could be alarming. But uh, you got to do your homework. you got to do your own inspection. You can't rely on anybody else. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and checking something out ahead of time can really pay off for you. It's interesting. I bought, and I know you'll laugh about this, but I, I bought an Elante, Cadillac Elante. Um, and I, I bought like it at a regular... Do you now? Okay. All right. Good, good yeah. Brooklynite. I sure like the Cadillac Alante. Oh, well, yeah, the, yeah, the, uh, this, this one did, had the earlier version, but no North Star in it. But, um, you know, it went across the block. It had a knock in it, 
you know, and this is where, you know, a little bit of knowledge pays off. So they pull it up onto the stage, and it has a knock. I'm like, you know, that doesn't sound like a rod knock, doesn't sound like a main knock, doesn't sound like a piston slap. It's an odd knock, but it's knocking. And so I go up to the car, and I'm listening while they still had it running. And I'm like, it's coming from the alternator. And I went ahead and bought the car, and I bought it for dirt. I mean, dirt cheap. And it got it home, put another alternator on it, voila, no problem. So, you know, it's kind of all sorts of interesting stuff can happen um, with an auction. You can get get some really good deals. Speaking of good deals, you know, here lately there are a ton of cars on the market, and whenever that happens, and this is the type of time of year where, you know, there are a lot of cars out there advertised on, you know, Marketplace and Craigslist and everywhere on sites all over the place. And uh, this week... People complain about the hobby, as always, being expensive. It's a rich man's hobby. Nobody can afford to get involved, yada, yada. I came across a a rust-free 54 Buick Roadmaster sedan, okay? Top-of-the-line 54 Buick Roadmaster with air conditioning, which was a really rare accessory in 54. Yes, very rare. Yeah. Um, had you know had the air conditioning in the trunk and uh, the condenser in the trunk and twenty five hundred bucks. You know, there's stuff well, that is out there that's available. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm tempted. I'm telling you, if I had room in the garage, if I didn't have the ambassador project underway, I'd be tempted to uh, go get this '54 Buick Roadmaster. With air conditioning, no less. How was the for chrome? Well, you know, how was the chrome? Because it's got that big, giant grill with all those what? I don't know, eighty look, vertical you know, flats in it. How was yeah, it? Yeah, it it was presentable. Presentable. Um, you know, the chrome on the bumpers wasn't particularly great, but you know what? I wouldn't be ashamed to drive it. The paint job was decent okay. enough that. You know, yep. it, it's a t- ten or fifteen footer, um, and of course, during those the Korean War years, um, chrome plating wasn't particularly thick either. Uh, no, they were using a lot of the chrome for the war effort in Korea. So Korean era chrome, Korean War era chrome is always pretty lousy. But no, this thing was pretty decent, and for twenty five hundred bucks, that's parts car price. And you know what I like about the 54 Buick? It has that uh, unique-looking or unique-shaped headlight bezel that wraps around the headlamp, and then it goes downward into a smaller, you know, point, shall we say. And that was only on the 54 Buick, and uh, it has a very classy appeal. It really does. It almost has like a show car look to it. That's yeah. a good deal. Uh, Buick I had really rocking rocking in those years um, yeah and then of course 
53 was is a favorite year of mine, but only because I think I've said it here before on the show. Uh, it was one of the very first cars I tried to buy. I was 12 years old, and I found this 53 Buick. And I just pleaded with my dad day after day after day. I wanted to go see this Buick, and so he finally took me to look at it. It was 75 bucks. I could have bought it, and he just kept saying, no, 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 no. And uh, it was a special. Uh, oh, nice. Last to the straight eights with three-speed three speed manual transmission. I remember that. But uh, Dad kept saying no. Finally, I wore him down, and he said, fine. But it was the way he said fine that uh, you knew what he did from buying it. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't buy it. Couldn't buy it with Dad going. You know, oh, fine. So that straight engine, man, is it? Excuse me, man, is it smooth? You can put a nickel on there, and it won't even move. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great engine. Great engine. Yeah, I'd love that. One of the one of these days before I go to the great beyond, I'll. I think I'm going to try to try to get a '53 Buick. Uh, You're listening to America's Web Special. Well, it's time to go, folks, I guess. All right. That's it. That's all, folks. Everybody Uh, have a great weekend. Stay out, off the couch, get in the garage, do something with yourself. Do something. Goodbye. See you next week. Ciao. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.